Den Talks podcast is powered by denanywhere.com. You guys go to denanywhere.com now, no matter where you live in the world, and you can take our classes virtually and live. Go to denanywhere.com and sign up for just $29.99 a month. You get a limited access to our classes with over 150 a month to choose from. Plus, most of them are archived, so if you can't make the exact time, you can catch them later. We still also have our workshops and our certifications now all accessible to you no matter where you are. Go to denanywhere.com. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Talim, your host and the founder of Den Meditation. We are talking to Rhea Ray today. She's a beautiful healer, really incredible healer. And her story is one that I think is going to resonate with everyone right now because we're all going through so many changes, ups and downs, and our systems within us just feel like they're crumbling um, and we're rebuilding. But for a lot of us, we're not sure how to rebuild or this feeling in the middle is so uncomfortable. Her story is one that I hope nobody has to go through. Um, which is very tragic, and her entire life was turned upside down, and she had to start completely over with the foundations that she knew of in her lifetime completely gone from her. So I think not only is she a beautiful healer, and her healing came from this experience, and she's going to teach us some incredible, simple breaths that we can do that can shift everything for you on a daily basis, I think her story is going to be extremely inspiring. Um, I hope you enjoy. Please join our Facebook page, um, Den Talks Podcast, and let us know and you guys are amazing and also leave a review it's always super helpful um, and really helps the podcast out you guys are amazing we love you all so hello Ria welcome hi I'm so happy to be here I know I'm so happy to have you I I know we were chatting before a little bit but I love the fact that you're from Trinidad and Tobago it is such a random fact and you don't meet Trinidadians often do you know which island you were from Trinidad. Um, I'm from Claxton Bay. And um, I actually, you know, I came to America when I was like seven. So there's a lot about it that I don't know, to be honest. But that's actually pretty old. It's not like you came at one or two. Like you spent some time there. It's definitely, uh, there's a lot. My family um, was Vedic on my father's side. And so I grew up going to puja, you know, having pujas and doing all of that kind of stuff. So it was really interesting to um, to kind of have that Indian heritage, but also the Caribbean flavor and flair to it. I don't think people it. realize that. I mean, I've been to Trinidad and Tobago, so I get it. I don't think people realize how heavily influenced like by the Indian culture is actually there. And it's pretty amazing. And it makes this whole spiritual vibe there that you don't get anywhere else. No, we're we're the wild ones over there, for sure. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's gorgeous there. It's beautiful. The people are warm and friendly and loving. And um, you definitely, wherever you go, you have to eat. Like, you basically have to eat, like, 10 meals, like, everybody's house. Wait, so you were raised doing, like you said, going to puja. I didn't realize that about you. So from the minute you were born, you've always had kind of this spirituality surrounding you or a sense of something bigger. Yes, for sure. My family, especially, I love the religion. I, I mean, I didn't grow up with it for very long, but I ended up, in a way, going back to it. And my grandparents really believed in going direct to God. I have an uncle who is a pundit who's a beautiful, oh my God, he's like the most beautiful man alive. He's so compassionate and so willing to learn at all times, you know? And um, so it was very, it's, it's been interesting as I've developed my practice to realize that I'm so about going direct to God, which for me is going direct to your soul, to yourself, um, and into the cosmic force field, you know? Did it mean the same for your grandparents? 
when you said they were very big on going direct to God, was it about an inward spirituality for them too, or was yeah. it more outward? Yeah, but you know, it was, but you know, they definitely were set in their ways. My grandfather was very, you know, controlling and, you know, yeah, just very set in his ways. So even though there was this like feeling of God, God still came with, with a certain fear-based, you know, look at, or lens, I should say. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So it wasn't so much following your own purpose. It was like a little bit of fear of disappointment of something else. Yeah. And, you know, there was, I mean, it wasn't like he was working through his anger issues. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like he didn't use it. It it just, I guess, you know, um, he definitely was a good man, but I don't think that that even going direct to God really created this expansiveness that brought tolerance and compassion. It's so interesting, actually, that you say that, because there has been a little bit of a generational shift. Not that this hasn't existed before, but you're right. There could be heavy spirituality before, but it it wasn't all, it was sometimes in reverence to something bigger than yourself versus a reverence to yourself of being big and enough. And it right. feels like there's a whole things sweeping now. Now, Again, not that it didn't exist before, but it's becoming more mainstream of this reverence to yourself and realizing that you are connected to the bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. You're bringing up, you're triggering so many different things in me, taking (laughs) me back because actually it's um, this week, Memorial Day weekend is the anniversary of my family's death. Which I want to chat about for sure. And so it's really interesting. Um, it's you're just triggering a lot of stuff in me, Tal. Is that stuff week. you used to think about when you were, like thought about them? Well, you know, I was sexually abused, and during that time, even in in that generational pull that you're talking about, there was the status quo of that was okay. It was like allowed. Nobody knew how to say stop. Nobody knew how to not do that. You know and so that's why I'm saying it's like bringing up a lot. We could right, go in a lot of right. places with it's that like a different, It's a different paradigm of thought. Yeah, exactly. It and really we don't want to like judge because it was a paradigm within, not that you can't judge sexual <laughs> abuse, <laughs> but but I get what you're saying is it's this weird paradigm shift. And in a weird way, you kind of respect it as the paradigm from before and it's triggering you even thinking about it. Yeah, we had to listen to what they told us to do. You know what I mean? It's where I learned how to be a people pleaser. It's where I learned how to be the sacrificial lamb. It's where I learned how to create codependence. It's where I learned, you know, we were set up early on through the, again, the eyes of God, like, you know, so even though it was this beautiful religion that was going direct to God, it also came with a lot of rules and regulations. Right. And so then let's talk about what happened. So when you moved at seven, your whole family, who moved with you? Um, Well, first, my mother, I stayed with my grandparents and my extended family and my grandmother. I mean, my mother came to the States and then she brought my father up to the States and then um, and then I came. So, I mean, only just recently in this last year did I actually really start experiencing what it felt like to not be with my mother because it it ran so deep, you know. Um, So and then I guess I came up maybe six. I came to visit them and then I was able to come to America and stay with them and live with them. So then from seven on, you were in like the DC metro area. Mm-hmm. And then you were raised, had a pretty lovely, idyllic life. Uh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it. Yeah, uh, definitely not. Um, 
basically, you know, when I came, even though I obviously on a deep level missed my mother, I had a lot of, I, I had a lot of love from my, my aunts and uncles and things like that. But when I came to America, my father and mother were um, fighting a lot. I've never talked about this. I mean, I've talked about it with friends, but I've never talked about this live. And so, you know, my father was an alcoholic. My mother, again, was like, you know, just so used to, she was depressed and suffering. And, and you know, he basically stifled her creativity. And I mean, I love both my parents and they love me. Um, but that was what was real. So I came and, and there was this torture and fighting and my mom worked nights and my dad left the house and then my brother and sister were born and and you're in another country and and I'm another country and I babysat them um when I was like you know eight right uh, by myself at night yeah and it was scary but I didn't even understand that because it was so what I was supposed to do so and in Trinidad and Tobago it sounds like you were surrounded by a lot of people yeah I was definitely even though I felt alone in moments that I remember and recall I was definitely not alone at all and then you actually felt physically alone not even emotionally alone as well yeah and and I think that I probably blamed myself for ruining something that was already not right right Oh, because you didn't see, you didn't see it until you were like, it was just you guys. Yeah. So you didn't realize it probably existed before. Yeah. That's interesting. And so then did you end up in New York? Were you working in New York, like in your twenties? Yeah. I went to New York and I was in the fashion industry for about 10 years. Wow. What were you doing? I was in sales and marketing and PR in the textile industry. Crazy. Yeah. Such a different life. Such a different (laughs) life. So talk to me about because I know this kind of leads into so what happened, like the day, the moment that I was referring to in the intro, like what, what happened with your family? I mean, I think you guys have probably heard a reference like the day my family died. It wasn't the day so-and-so died. So let's. Yeah. So um, on May 27th, 1997, my entire family passed away. I was actually in, where was I? I was in New, my God. New England, I'm just going to say. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. Um, Rhode Island. You were on a work trip, right? Yeah, I was on a work trip. And basically, um, my VP was calling me. And I don't know, I just kept missing phone calls and stuff. And I woke up. And that night, I actually got violently ill. I was throwing up the whole thing. And I didn't know what was going on with me. And then the next morning, I got all these phone calls. And I was already driving back to New York City because, like, I was sick. And they just you know, told me that they found five dead bodies in my house. Um, Literally, it was like, I mean, it was the craziest thing ever. I was in shock. I was, I made it back to my apartment. I called my aunts, everybody, nobody could verify what would, what had happened. And I kept calling my parents' phone number, but nothing, like nobody was answering. And then finally, so they didn't I, even tell you who it was. So you, yeah, you have I didn't no even clue, know. right? And then, for all you know, it could be one person you know and four strangers that broke in here. Like you have no clue. Yeah, exactly. And they weren't even sure if they were dead. Like it, they said that they were asleep. It was like really a weird thing that was happening. And then finally, there was more verification over the next couple of hours. But I just remember. I I already knew, like I felt it and I knew it, even though no one was verifying it. And I dropped to the ground and I just started bawling. And then I just knew I needed to pack. And I literally like knew that I had to pack funeral clothes. And my boyfriend, Jim, was with me at the time. Thank God. 
And uh, then we just, all I remember from then on was basically driving through the Holland Tunnel and being sold a whole bunch of, trying to be sold a whole bunch of weird calendar things and people knocking on my window, you know, trying right. to sell Right, it's like stuff. the weird things you're probably focusing, right. Yeah, and then I remember a bunch of tissues on in the car, but I don't even remember crying. And I still didn't know even then what had actually happened. And so there was this one part of me that thought maybe they're not dead, but... They were. And so it was my mother, father, brother, sister, and uncle who was living with us at the time. Someone forgot to turn the car off in the garage. The garage was attached to the house. It was, again, (sighs) Memorial Day weekend. The air conditioning was on. And so the only place for the air, for the gas to seep in was from the garage into the garage door, you know, into the house. And, like, that was it. That was my life. Like, that was the most defining moment of my entire life and somehow though what the weirdest thing about it is that I never asked why it happened to me I naturally knew why it happened to me I knew that it was going to give me exactly what I needed to help more people and even though I always loved helping people it wasn't like that was what I thought I was going to be doing in my life Um, because it was what I did anyway growing up the way I did so it was, and then, you know, it's, I have no idea how I got through it. So, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's just the most tragic, new, I can't even imagine. How old were you? I was 27. And, again, it goes back to just that loneliness, like, feeling alone, like, again. Like, did you just feel so alone at that moment? Like, feeling like... like well, the thing is, is that I, when I... um When I graduated college, I moved out of my house. I worked for a little bit, and I moved out of my house. My father was very, again, controlling of me. He always wanted us to make sure that we were okay, so he wanted to see us in front of us. That's what's so crazy, that they actually died in their house, which is where he always wanted us to stay. And and so I did move out, and he stopped talking to me for four years. And again, none of this stuff I've like talked about live before. So I'm thank you. So you hadn't talked to him for four years. He wouldn't talk to me, you know. And then finally, I had to sneak around to find to see my brother and sister, who were like my own children. And so finally, when we did start talking again, it was a fluke. And at that time, my sister had Hodgkins, and I remember being so upset. What's gonna like if my sister dies, I'm gonna die. And then he, we ended up seeing each other in Trinidad by a miracle and then six months later they all died you saw your sister in trinidad or your my whole my um my father and my sister and my brother and so we had reunited wow but it was for six months and then so i was always faced with how to be alone it's almost it's almost like you were getting training yes exactly a hundred percent that's how i felt okay so now I mean, I still, it's like so heavy, like even I feel it. It's just, it's so sad and tragic. And so what do you do? I mean, what do you do? Does everything fall on you? I'm sure in the in term of like just making sure things are taken care of and right, just the annoying yeah. stuff that I don't know how people get through when you're so sad. I mean, the first thing was just everybody was at my aunt's house and you watch on the news, like you just kept seeing five dead body bags. It was all over the news. It was on CNN, it was in Trinidad. There was like negative talk about there was drugs involved and it was like a family oh, hit and crazy stuff like that. And then you realize that um, the biggest loss of it all was then you realize that your extended family, most of them can't handle seeing your face any longer because you, and I'm going to cry, because you remind them of them. Of them. 
So I lost so many people that year, and it was really tragic to lose all of them. So, but you lost the living and the dead. Yeah, but I'm so grateful because there were a couple of family members who were there for me solidly, and you know, one of them, my my aunt Gaitri, who was like my mother, and you know, she's just no matter what, no matter whether she agreed with what I did or not, she was always there for me. And so, you know, you lose a lot of people and it took me a long time, a long, long time to let go of the victimization of that. Like I use that as an excuse for everything in my life for not moving forward. How, how long did you use that as an excuse? Oh my God. Like until yesterday. No, I'm just no, kidding. That, well, that like, I know is not true. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, it was, I mean, you know what? I've been married for 18 years. I mean, I would say maybe, you know, like the last, maybe I felt better, like maybe eight, nine years ago, I feel like I haven't used that, you know, I don't know if I said that, if, if that makes sense, how I said it, but so it's been a while, like my life is pretty balanced and equalized at this state, but it really, um, how did you, know. you use it? Cause I know when I first met you and we spoke about this, you were saying weirdly through this whole thing is when you actually started feeling this kind of like, I mean, when you use the word magical, but like these magical healing powers, it was like for the first time ever, you knew you were capable and it, it was more than just the like this makes me want to help other people it was like you felt like you knew you were capable of helping people in a much deeper way yeah what was happening to you and you were telling me it was like immediate it was as you were going through everything and like you should be the one like on the floor and not being able to come up you were you were simultaneously discovering this other side of yourself yeah I mean I guess when I went back to my I took five months off went back to my corporate job And literally I was, everybody was looking at me differently and there was something going on where they would just, I don't know, they got wide-eyed around me and I was like, what's (laughs) wrong with you guys? Why are you looking at me like that? And people would do whatever I told them to do. And I started realizing I was also saying things to people that I didn't know where it was coming from. I was giving them solace and getting, having access to information that I just... And what do you mean by that? Like access to like personal information of theirs? Like you knew what they were going through without them telling you? Exactly. Yeah. Personal information of theirs and what they needed to hear to move on with their lives. And so I thought, I recognized that something in that, like that was my biggest awakening in that big opening um, of that tragedy. I was able to really feel that there was a greater purpose for me. I knew I had a greater purpose and I really wanted to share my story back then more than ever because I felt like it was going to really help other people. But I was obviously not ready to do that because I still had so much of my own healing and it wasn't going to come from the most real place because I didn't, you know, we never realize how much ego we have about things, whether positive or negative aspects of it, you know? And so... Ask me again, what, what were we talking about? No, we're talking about, so through this, you, you oh, started to discover that you had this gift. Yeah, so I, I basically decided, okay, I am here to help people. I do have a purpose. There's nothing, there's nothing more that I could do than help people. I mean, what else was I going to do after, because nothing was important anymore. Right. Nothing I mean, mattered. It's like... It's funny, I was just, uh, I forget whose book, it was Pedram Soji's book I was reading, he was talking about the like fight or flight response, and the problem with us right now is since we actually are rarely in fight or flight situations, and I'm not just going to talk about the meditation part, 
that our daily life, we come stressed about the dumbest shit because you have to like satisfy that response. But and he says, he's like, oh my God, just go out and make something bigger happen. Like go out and like skydive if you have to. Do something to satisfy that because what you're doing every day doesn't satisfy it at all. And so perspective gets blown out. So you were dealt like a massive dose of perspective. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely so right about that. And so for me, I had to do... I had to do something deep, deep, deep. And even with the people I work with now, I mean, I never attract like the lightweights, you know, I attract the really, really tough, tough situations because it's what I know how to do. I know how to be present with an enormous amount of pain. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of grief. I'm not afraid to feel things because of this. And so I basically went on my path to just heal as much as I can. And through the healing in general, as we heal, I feel like we uncover the real parts of us, the truths within us, we discover and uncover and reveal our gift, our true gift. And would you say that every, now let's talk about a little bit what you do and then go back to where we are in your story so people understand. I mean, you are a gifted energy healer, meaning like, I wish you guys could see her. You can tell every once in a while she's like choking and that probably (laughs) means I'm carrying like lots of black shit. That's like really upsetting her right now. But I mean, what do you see when you, t- do you, A, do you have to tune in or no? Do you actually just see and feel things? And B, what is it for you? Is it something visual? Is it something that you feel inside of you? What is it that you transfer from someone else that helps you tap into them? I mean, I can see and basically I'm given the ability to see and feel and express whatever's needed to help heal that person if I'm the right catalyst for them. So it takes me a few seconds to really get into their deepest, you know, most personal space to understand what they need to tap into for themselves. So it could be someone, maybe someone lost their, a family member, and I might be able to channel a family member to help them connect some dots. It could be something that they're holding inside of their body that has been, that is like some gray matter that's literally trapped inside of them and we have to breathe it out and by the way she keeps looking at my stomach every time she's talking (laughs) just fyi it's hilarious her eyes just get gray gray and she just keeps staring at me i did do that didn't i (laughs) (laughs) which we can talk about (laughs) you know it's um it just you know it's so that's what i love about my work so much is that i get to reinvent in every moment and be whatever that person needs. So I never am stagnant in my work ever. So how does it feel for you? So like, let's take me without like, <laughs> I guess giving away the whole kid. But like, would you need to touch me now? Like, would you, can you just see, is there something right now that you're looking at? You're like, I don't know what's going on, but this, would you need to touch me to do that? Do you I just definitely breathe? don't need to touch you. I can do it distantly, but I also like the, the, there's something so beautiful about touch also. It feels wonderful, but I can actually just like tap into it right now, see where it is, like focus in and grab hold of it and breathe it out. So if you're like tapping into me, I love that I'm giving myself up as a guinea pig, which scares the shit out of me a little bit. But if you're tapping into me, like clearly I think there's something, you kept staring at my stomach, I'm just saying. <laughs> but like what, like just to give them, like the listeners an example of what you do. So for instance, right now in your upper abdomen, it's very tight. Okay. And there's, I wouldn't go so far as to say that there's like necessarily fear there. It's just like there's tightness, there's stress there. And it's more just about you being able to like let it just like drop your shoulders and relax in a little bit and just like breathe it out because you've not had like a moment in time because of everything going on to just like tap into (laughs) like, okay, you know, which is what goes on for all of us. If we want to accomplish anything that feels good, you know, we, we go through so much. So I literally can feel that 
and I'm breathing it in and we're just going to breathe it out. And as you're breathing it out, like right now I can already see like if, if you do that a few more times, I can see you getting a little bit lighter, a little bit more present. Not that you weren't present before, but it's, it's just a deeper level of presence. Do you, see, do you see disease in people? I can, but again, what, I've, what I love about my gift is I don't try to see anything. What's ready to be seen just shows it to me. And that's how I know if I'm really meant to work with somebody and I'm the right person because it just like presents itself. If you're working with someone, do you ever just go about your day and then also be like, oh shit, like something random about that person, like you feel like you're almost with them? Like- All day long, every day, because a lot of my work is like from afar. Um, and literally, I it's like I could be at my son's basketball game and literally feel something about somebody and actually, actually literally breathe it out. It's, it's insane how much multitasking is occurring in a moment because I live and breathe it and embody every aspect of it. How about like multidimensional? Are you able to like feel like you're with more many people or many clients at once? Like, yeah, am I asking all like the a time. really weird question? No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, they may think it's weird. I don't know whoever's <laughs> listening to this. But no, I feel like I'm living and breathing on like every level of dimensions possible within that person. Not only with that person, but the people that surround that person and how they're interacting. And so I feel like I'm constantly every moment working in a group dynamic at all times. When for you, I'm assuming you didn't always look at the universe that way. No. When for you (laughs) and your healing did the shift of how you looked at the universe and like the ability to have like, to not physically be, but be in different places at different times to feel something that's not necessarily yours you know, start, it kind of starts dissolving the walls of what skin is and what people are and starts playing more into the energy of the world and the universe and who we all are. Yeah, that's a really good question. I feel like the moment I learned that was actually when I inhabited another human's body. All right, so I I asked the right question. Let's give this story a go. And I literally became that person. I was carrying their karma. I was carrying their life. I was, was this a client or was this someone random? It was a, a, friend, client, whatever. It was before I had better, I don't even know if it's a boundary thing because I was supposed to feel that. And I literally could feel her insecurity, her doubt. I was living it, but I didn't know that it wasn't. So for how long was this a short thing? Was this a long thing? No, this was a long thing, a very long thing, a very challenging thing, a very painful thing. Because we both realized finally that that's what was happening, that I was carrying her. I was carrying all of her. And we do this all the time. We can walk by somebody or stand next to somebody and we're fine and suddenly feel their fear literally travel through us and it can become us. And if you're a person who is used to caring because of the way you grew up, other people suffering, well, then um, you're primed to do that, you know? And so I started to over the years, recognize what was mine and what wasn't theirs. So do you think, just to switch gears for a second, just off of what you were saying, do you think empathy, which is a little bit what you were relating to someone who's sensitive and feels, do you think that is something that's purely kind of childhood-based, like you're situational, or do you think some people are just... Do you think everyone's born with empathy, or do you think it is, and just by your situation for childhood, you either are heightened or less... Or do you think that is something that's totally situational? 
how, because you referred to like picking up people's energy and some people being clearly more open to it. And you were saying based on like your childhood, if you're someone that's used to like either pleasing or wanting to make sure people are okay, which I'm sure a lot of us can relate to. I'm like that. Um, But do you think it's purely because of those childhood situations or are people... I think that, um, I mean, that's, again, you're asking some really great questions. I think that we're all born with an ability to heal ourselves. I think some of us are gifted. We're all gifted in different ways. I think if you're a strong empath and you've had some dysfunctional stuff going on in your life, then you are going to be extra, extra sensitized and sensitive to absorbing other people's energy and being willing to take on their stuff and not really have an ability to live your truth, your personal truth. I I mean, I don't know. I feel like everybody has an ability to have empathy, but I feel like some people are born with it naturally and some people have to cultivate it. And learn it, yes. But everyone can learn it. If they want to. If they're open to it. (laughs) (laughs) Asking for a friend. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So, but on that, because that is something I wanted to talk about. So here you are, you go through this journey, you discover kind of powers, for lack of a better word. You start healing yourself, you cultivate your strengths and your ability to heal in a stronger, more pointed, focused way. And then you take this on for the rest of your life. And part of what you do is not only heal people for self-love, but you think by healing yourself, you're cultivating your own powers to heal your own self as well as others. So back to what you were just saying, do you feel that everyone innately can be a healer? And what does that mean? A healer to what extent? Well, there are a lot of people who would never want to be a healer. Right, for sure. (laughs) And they've told me that. Um, I think that, I don't know, I think as a humanity, we have that innately in us if we want to cultivate it, for sure. Um, I f- that was a you're gonna have to ask me that question again. I asked a lot. Yeah, because that was a lot of information. So basically, it, so you feel like everyone has, from what you just said, and we can go off of that. Everyone has a little bit of the ability if they want to cultivate it, they can heal. Do you think it's at different levels for different people, or is it just about how much you want to cultivate it? I think it's I think it's both. I think it's how much you want to cultivate it, and I think there are again there are certain people who are destined to be that. And certain people who are meant to use it, use it in different ways. There's so many different ways to use your healing abilities. And I think that since everyone has the ability to heal themselves, I think everyone has an ability to be a healing human on this planet. And that there are many different ways to use that healing ability. So it's interesting you say that because we live in LA, which is like definitely the Mecca of spirituality, like everything. So you get a lot of people who all of a sudden are like, I want to be a healer. I'm just, you know, you know, that didn't work out. I'm not, my acting career is not going great. So I think now I'm going to be a healer. Do you feel like, I mean, your honest take on that. Now I'm sure some people you're like, well, thank God you're finally there because you were meant to be a healer. Thank God you finally got off that other, you know, you're finding yourself. But there are a lot of people just doing quote unquote different trainings. Do you feel like everyone can then be like, what is that line? Where's that line blurred? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, Without getting in trouble. You're, yeah, you're <laughs> awesome. Um, I think that 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. From being a healer for as long as I've been and not actually choosing it, but having it choose me, I think that it's a very, it's a role that has tremendous responsibility to it. Um, We have the ability to impact other people, especially the way the planet is right now. There's so many people doing this kind of work. And I don't think everybody understands the the ability that energy has to impact your life. We are made up of energy. And so if you're being a healer to make yourself feel better, then you're going to misguide people and you're going to hurt them. If you are going to be a healer because it is true to your calling and you are working on dissolving ego every day and understanding that you don't need validation, that this is something that is pure, that's coming from within you, that is unconditional then I say like, go for it. But I, it's not, it's, it's a really hard job. By the way, I love what you just said, because I think that applies to everything. It's such a beautiful piece of check-in advice. It's like, if what you're doing, anything, healing, acting, I'm just thinking that writing, you want to start a career in this or a business, whatever it is, check in. Are you doing it because you want validation or are you doing it because you feel this calling to do it? And I feel like that's such an interesting self- regulation because I think a lot of us make we've all done it probably at different phases of our lives if we're not currently doing it you make choices as subtle as they may be thinking because it's what you're supposed to be doing or you like how it looks or it's going to help you do x y and z and that's all validation that is not because it's necessarily where you're supposed to be so I think that's such a beautiful way of putting it whether it's about healing or any path yeah I I've learned really early on to you know, I will get positive feedback. But for me, it doesn't really matter. The, the positive feedback has no weight because I have to feel good about what I just did and if I did a great job or not, if I did the best job I could do. And I mean, you know, I, I love what I do. And when you're really um, helping guide people, I mean, I live and breathe this stuff. It's like every single day, every hour of the night, like I am literally healing myself and seeing through things and you have to be able to embody it. It can't be because it looks pretty. I agree. It's like you have to have conviction in yourself and confidence in you. How, speaking of that, what are the steps to getting there? So you're saying everyone can at least, everyone at least at the very least has the ability to heal themselves. They have the ability to kind of go inwards and start cultivating self-love and self-healing at the very least. So what would you tell someone who's listening today? Hey, this is your starter kit. This is how you can start today. The most simple version. What can they do? Is it touching themselves a certain way? Get your minds out of the gutter. Is it like, <laughs> or, or why not do or, that? It yeah, makes you feel yeah, great exactly. too. <laughs> 
But is it like touching yourself? Is it saying something? Is it a type of breathing? Is it a meditation? Like, what would what would you tell if you had two minutes with someone and you can tell they're they're needing a little bit of healing? What would you do or what would you tell them to do? I mean, when I when I started uncovering this gift, um, I you know I trained in all the levels of Reiki and a lot of those different things. Many, my God, so many things, um, and this breath that I do that I share with others is what, what came to me. And again, I would say that you ought to use any breath that feels right for you. But literally I breathe in from the palms of my feet instead of like a lot of people feel like breathing in through your crown. My crown isn't as important for me as my feet as being grounded in myself in a clear position. So I literally would recommend breathing in from the palms of your feet, bringing all that energy up and then breathing out through your mouth. So the bottom line is, for me, the more you can breathe in and use that air to bring it all the way up and release out what you do not need, it's kind of like trusting your physical steps more, trusting yourself more to actually access that breath and let that breath go in and do what it needs to do without your mind getting involved. You can let your mind continue to move and and speak and do whatever it needs to, but that breath needs to go in and clear you. In general, we've got to clear ourselves every single day because we are picking up so much information and so much energy every day. So what I would say is that, so really, that's uh, what I would say is that I would recommend breathing in every day and every morning defining what is my active step of self-love today? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to embrace in myself? And then I would recommend this conscious breathing, which is again, nice deep breath in and a nice big exhale out. I breathe like that all day long. So let's say someone is really not in touch with themselves. So they start doing this breathing and they don't have the ability to be like, okay, yes, I'm going to let go of this or I'm going to start breathing this out. How can they start? Is it getting in touch with a feeling you might have somewhere in your body? Like how can they even get to that point of being like, oh God, yes, that's anxiety or ooh, who knew? Or wow, like maybe three days into it, all of a sudden they're like, oh shit, that is crap with my parents that I didn't realize or whatever it is. But is it a feeling? Like is it if you start breathing in, do you think that maybe you can start noticing... A tingle or tightness. Yeah, like, you know, what happens is a lot of times if, in general, we all know that breathing helps with stress, right? It helps create balance. What happens is we stop short. We don't breathe for long enough. We, you know, we want to breathe for a minute or something and like, okay, it's not working. And there's so much resistance in our body that we don't realize how long we need to actually breathe for. And because we are attached to an outcome when we're breathing, we also then don't breathe long enough. So for me, it's about actually just using the breath with letting go of an expectation of what you're going to find. That's great. And then doing it for long enough until you feel a shift. Now, for some people who are really blocked, that could be an hour. It could literally be an hour of breathing where you're just breathing and you're angry. You're like, why am I doing this? What is happening? Nothing is happening. You want to go into those areas that are tight, but you may not be able to because you may not. I mean, the first time I tried to meditate or even do acupuncture, I remember when I got acupuncture and they left me alone in the room. I was <laughs> like, screaming. I was like, why are you leaving me alone? I can't do this. And so, 
it's really, you know, you start off with a minute, you start off with two minutes, but truly we need to be breathing for a long time to feel a shift where that actual energy of who you are actually starts coming through you and speaking to you. So I would say breathe longer and throughout the day. So anytime you feel tight, just focus on any kind of tightness that happens, any kind of self-talk, any kind of critical voice that comes in, you use your breath and you keep kicking it out, but you can't just take five breaths. I mean, you can, and we usually do, but, <laughs> but like you need to take longer until breath. you feel yeah, until some you sort feel. of difference. Exactly. Hey guys, if you want to do more with Rhea and work with her, we actually did a pre-recorded for online purposes only workshop called Listen to Your Soul. It's on denanywhere.com. So go to www.denanywhere.com, go to the workshop section and go to Listen to Your Soul with Rhea. It is probably 30 minutes. It will change your life. She really teaches you how to do that breath and she goes into it and it will shift you on how you listen to yourself and know where you need to be. It's a really kind of beautiful spiritual experience. I hope you like it. So let's do our for you section, which is just four takeaways for the listener. We're going to like rapidly go through them. And I feel like you'll have some interesting answers. <laughs> Who was an inspirational teacher for you? Molly Muimara. He died a couple of years ago. He marched with Martin Luther King. He is an ethics prof- was an ethics professor. He wrote the first book on death and dying with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And he is the most amazing man that I've ever met in my entire life. He was raw and real and um, actually a grief counselor that I worked with who I felt extremely abandoned by. Oh, I guess I guess I might still feel that. (laughs) Um, She's the one who actually introduced me. And it was a beautiful story where I um, ended up finding this beautiful starfish. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that story because it's a long story. Um, However... He, I, I called him. He told me I could come meet him in Atlanta. I went to meet him, and he made this amazing tea and cut up fruit and had nuts, and it was like the best meal of my life. I don't know what it was, and as soon as I met him, I felt so safe, and he's like six. My God, he's like six six, and he was just gorgeous in every way possible, and he just told me, he was like, you're a genius. You're brilliant, and I, was, I just laughed in his face. I was like, I can't even stand up. I'm like so sad, you know what I mean? And he just loved on me and helped me um, really just knowing that he existed was amazing for me. And so to have the number one grief expert, even though there were so many people not around um, for me in that moment, he was there. So it's like God sent the best thing in the world for me. So um, yeah, and I just, he was raw, real, humble, and help people without the need for any adoration, worship, um, validation, anything. Just did the work. Amazing. What type of meditation do you rely on the most? The breath that I was telling you guys about. I mean, you if you know me really well, you'll see me breathing all through the day. I can't <laughs> help it. It's like we we're literally taking in so much information as i was saying earlier and so much energy all day every day that it's so important to keep that change going and keep that flow going and really letting go of that stagnated energy to be breathing all day long what is a helpful tip you would give someone to achieve a deep meditation i think also what i was saying go long enough now here's another thing I 
work out all the time. I, I don't really do yoga that much anymore. Sometimes I just, I need my space. So I end up doing cardio and it's another way where I'm also consciously breathing while I'm working out. And so it's, it sometimes takes me 45 minutes in before I can actually feel me, but whatever it is, find that thing that helps you reignite your incense that helps you light up it could be walking with music it could be anything but go and find it and use your breath to find it because it's so important and even though there's so many different forms of meditation I think that it's so unique to all of us and for me it's anything can be a meditation anything at all and it needs to happen throughout the day it's not just something that needs to be segmented like here's an hour where I'm just going to do this because really none of us ever have an hour of just doing that so if we can bring it into every moment of our daily life and how we move through the world um, that's that's really how I see it and what I would recommend I love that that's such a nice way of just integrating everything in a daily life what was and we probably already spoke about it but what was your best worst day well my worst day we've spoken about which was the death of my family, but my best day was my children entering the world. Um, I have a son, Jacob, who's 17, and a daughter, Leah, who's eight. And I could also cry about them because they, for me, are my greatest teachers um, in the whole world. Uh, my son has, I mean, he, when I had him, it was like I started working right away and he helped me dive into the darkest dark. I mean, some of the darkest hours were after I had him and not because of him or with him, but what I was experiencing and what I was being initiated into within myself. And my daughter, it's like she's taught me and teaching me every day how to win, how to actually enjoy my life. It's like, okay, mom, you've gone through the really bad stuff. Like, can we laugh a little bit more? Can we smile a little bit more? Can we like actually like live the dream? You know what I mean? It's lovely. And it's beautiful. So I love them. So thank you for those. I have one question based on one of your things. How would you recommend people if they're looking for a teacher or, or that role model or someone, mm. how do you find that? Because I feel like, isn't it so easy to just fall for that first person who feels like they're more knowledgeable than you or feels like spiritually they can help you? Like how can someone truly find the person that's meant for them? I always, well, in my work with, with the people I work with, it's for me, it's a collaboration. I don't ever, I mean, people might call me a teacher, but that's not how I see myself. I see myself as a human who's worked her ass off and cares more than I want to sometime about everyone and everything. <laughs> um, and I would say that you need to not put somebody through a testing process of sorts, but bring your best self to the table because you're smarter than you realize and work with that person. Um, you know, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, I just feel like sometimes we show up to the table and we naturally put ourselves in a lesser position. And I just don't think that helps you find the right person, the right you. person, or really inspire the lessons that you could be learning. It kind of and it kind of dims you and, and dims well, it's like a relationship. A if you're looking for someone to fix you or for you to fix someone, then it's not neither. It's never going to work because it has you both have to just be able to be. 
Yeah. And no, when we're not here trying to fix ourselves, remember, because this life, even though we talk about how short it is, it's also long, right. <laughs> you know, we've got a lot to learn and the, there's so much joy in learning. And so I would be like, trust your instincts, you know, and it's tricky because sometimes, you know, the person you're supposed to work with, who could give you the most, you know, really transmit the most freedom to you can feel really scary. Like it's absolutely not what you're supposed to do. Right, because a lot of times to get to that freedom, you have to uncover a lot of bad shit, yeah. which someone might not like doing. Yeah, and it could be resistant. You could be resistant, you know, but I would say keep checking in with yourself, not from a place of doubt in your mind, but from a place of, again, meditation to really go in deeper, to show up with your voice. Keep looking towards your own self-empowerment with your teacher. You know, it's such a good, healthy reminder, though, that... You know, to get to what you want, it's not all like daisies and roses. Like you actually have to uncover some shit. Like you you have to do the work. But if you're willing to do this work, life gets smoother and easier. And then you can continue to do the work in a smoother way because we're always working. But, you know, I think some people approach either spirituality or meditation or healers thinking they're magical fixes and don't realize, no, nothing's magical. Fi- like you actually still have to like sit in some shit. Yeah. And what I love about you, Tal, is that you're so willing to see and experience everything and anything without any judgment. I mean, that's why I love collaborating with you on anything. Truly, I really because it's not easy for people to see their stuff. And when I find something dark inside of myself or something new that needs to be healed, I get so excited because I think, oh, I'm this is going to turn into some sort of creative project. What do you feel like you have, what do you feel like is your Achilles heel like that you still have to work on or something like and how do you do that for your own process is it the same you breathe through it or does it change well, when it's your own My aunt is my sounding board that poor woman has done like hours <laughs> of listening to me talk um, I mean for me I I also really go inward I think that my I am a perfectionist I am self-critical I'm tough on myself I really really am me too. Um, you know, it's like I, I've helped so many people, but I still remember those that I feel like I, I, I didn't help or I'm sure that I still did, but that I could have done better or should have done better, even though truly, who's to say what's right or wrong and what the path and journey is? It's so expansive and large, right? So, I mean, you know, and we were talking about yesterday, <laughs> what went down. She was shooting a seminar for us. <laughs> Oh my God, hard. It's just, I And it was beautiful. It was scary (laughs) and it was hard. And it was like, you know, I was talking to them about when you're in a group and you feel, you know, some of the people there, they might have some resistance in their mind. It might just be a little bit tougher. So you feel that in your meditation and in your work, who's going through what? And like to be faced with my own mind (laughs) was like, oh my God, it was amazing. It was your own resistant versus someone else, yeah. Yeah, and so even in moments when I was feeling so connected, like I could feel tightness in my body holding on to myself. Like it was like one part of me was like so resistant, like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And the other part of me was so free and like deep in it. And so... You know, and just like it really challenged me to let go on a whole other level and really trust my soul and trust that every single thing that was occurring for better or worse was exactly so perfect. So I'm so grateful for that lesson. You know, I was so grateful. I feel 
great having done it. So thank you. Oh my God, are you kidding? You give us all so much every day. I'm glad if we could give you just that learning experience, (laughs) then fantastic. But thank you for sharing and being open and raw. And I really do think, you know, your, especially your origin story is very inspirational for people. I mean, to be able to, it's not that you're over it. I think that's something you probably carry for the rest of your life, but be able to see what you're supposed to do because of that and do such beautiful things every day for everyone is such a beautiful lesson Mm. that you don't have to kind of get stuck just because something not great is happening to you. You can kind of blossom and move on still and feel okay about that. Because I think some people probably feel very guilty when they move forward when something so bad has happened. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, and I get that. But I think that's such a beautiful reminder that like you don't have to feel guilty. You can own your own life. And it doesn't mean you feel great every day about what happened. It's almost... Right? It's like two yeah. separate things, I'm guessing. But Yeah. Thank you. So thank you, you for coming so in. You are so inspirational to me. Oh, you please. really are. You're, you're the inspirational one. That's no, why we're interviewing yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm so inspired by you and everything you're doing here and how absolutely open and compassionate you are to everyone who walks through these doors. Well, so that's what you. hopefully we're all about. And um, let's st- let's keep listening because she's going to share a beautiful self-love meditation, especially after this podcast, I feel like everyone understands, like you get self-love better than anyone. So I'm really happy you're sharing that with us. And thank you for being here. Thank you. And now join us for Rhea Ray's personal practice, a 10-minute guided meditation on self-love. Hello. So I want you guys to go ahead and get yourself into a comfortable position, whatever feels right for you whether sitting or lying down. I want you to close your eyes and take a nice deep breath in. Let's just get grounded in your body, letting go of just everything. Actually, not even letting go of everything. We're going to do something, not even a little different, but we're going to go in from a little bit of a different angle here. So I want you to again open the palms of your feet and take a nice deep breath in bringing it all the way up and a nice big exhale out just loosen that jaw open that throat loosen that forehead relax that stomach the whole thing yep Another deep breath. I want you to go into the tight part of your body. I want you to go into that space inside that you've been holding on so tight. There's so much about meditation that makes us feel that as we breathe, we need to find this silent, this quiet, But what I want you to do is I actually want you to allow yourself to meet the noise. All the distractions, just let them all the way in. Just let all of the noise come in. Don't try to skirt away from any issues. Just let them come. Let's see them. Let's face them. Let's deal with them. Take another deep breath. Okay, let's start letting go. 
we want to go inside and find that space where we can find and locate a piece of you that is ready to be enlightened. A piece of you that is holding fear, that is holding doubt, that is holding insecurity. Let's transmute that. Just fall in deeper. Melt that heart open. Yep, just let it open up. And feel that energy starting to move in as you're using your breath. This is your practice. This is your practice of self-love. Every particle of your being deserves to be turned into self-love. Deserves to be turned into freedom and beauty. So again, deep breath. This is your practice. This is where you get to participate. I want to hear that breath. I want to feel that breath. I want you to pull in. This is like your life that you're pulling in as you inhale. And every exhale out, you are letting go of a part of you that you no longer need. We're letting go, breaking down that stagnant energy, uncovering anything that is ready to be seen. So what have you been running away from? What is love for you? What are you longing for that you're not able to give to yourself? There's a pinhole of light approaching. I want you to stretch it open and I want you to go through it and feel that opening in your heart more. And as you feel that opening in your heart more, I want you to dive in even deeper and allow your spirit to speak to you. Don't question it. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Just keep breathing and just keep allowing. Yes, no control. Just keep resting. Just keep melting and let anything come in. It's okay. There's no right or wrong way. This is you finding your way to feel the parts of you that are hidden inside that want to be seen and again, turned into love. So it's time to stop hiding and stop running and allow yourself to be present with the beauty that you are. Yes, that doubt that is stored right there inside of you I think it's time to let it go I think you can let it go I think you really can and you can trust that you're exactly where you need to be in this moment now I want you to breathe in some light and I want you to allow yourself to see what it is that you need to do today doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be a little thing, a sweet thing. What is it inside of you? What action step can you take to love yourself a little bit more? What is self-care for you today? And you probably know what that is, and it's probably something that you've been working on, trying to get to. But we're not going to be tough on ourselves. 
We're just going to let that go. And each day, we get a little bit better and a little bit more freedom. So you're going to relax into that. And again, ask yourself again. This is all about breathing through the layers and uncovering and uncovering and discovering and allowing that truth to be revealed from deep within. What is it that you need to do today in this moment to allow yourself to become more love? The more we love ourselves, the more we can love others. The more we genuinely, authentically love ourselves, the more of who we are comes to the surface. That very thing that is our true essence can breathe more into the world and therefore create more of exactly what we need to evolve into who we are and to continue to inspire the world in such a beautiful way. You are beautiful. Every day is a new day. Every day is a day where you deserve to love yourself a little bit more. So in that whisper that is coming through louder and louder and louder in this moment, don't forget what you just told yourself, what you just remembered. And give yourself that compassion and let it soak in. Let it soak in and breathe in even more of your energy because that is you, that velvety, beautiful, smooth, silken, yummy energy is you. Remember that. And as you sit in that energy, allowing exactly what is happening without the need for more or something different, allow this moment to be exactly as it is. You are part of this beautiful miracle. And let go a little bit more. Yep. Relaxing that back even more and sinking in. And oh, feeling that connection to everything. Just allowing yourself to sit in that energy to restore and rest falling into this beautiful, magnificent, magical state of this energy we call love, this meditative force of something that doesn't need to be explained on any level, but this love can be experienced by you. Take your time. Don't rush out of this state. And remember, as you do slowly begin to come back, you want to cultivate that gentleness, that openness, and keep bringing it back with you as you slowly open your eyes as you are ready allowing that clarity to speak and sing through all parts of your moments today. 
Thank you. Dent Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielik, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Dent Talks podcast, and join us there. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.